Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome back to the Howl. Would be nice if we had better circumstances to come here with, but unfortunately, right now with the Wolves, there's not a lot of positivity. We are coming back at you just after uh, recording this, just after the uh, game four of the regular season, and we'll jump right into this one. But obviously, for anyone that watched it, definitely not the best game we've seen all year. Granted, Timberwolves are missing two of their most important players in Josh Okogie, arguably their best defender, and of course, their best player, obviously their superstar, Carl Anthony Towns. Now, this game barely starts, and the bad call's already starting as Rubio gets called for a terrible call. And Rubio is livid about this, and I don't blame him. They, want, they show the replay, and Jim P. talks about how Paul George actually grabs Rubio. Rubio does nothing, and so it's very frustrating. And I've seen that a decent amount this year. I think that the NBA officiating so far has not been good. Now, granted, I'm, I'm, very, I'm harder on the officials than almost anybody, but at the same time, I'm also very quick to praise them when they do a good job. It's just the problem is they don't do a good job very often. And it's very frustrating as a Wolves fan because I do think we get the the you know the bad end of the stick way too many times. Uh, but anyways, we're moving on. Wolves with a great start to this game. And you know, we talk about lack of positivity. You had some positivity as this thing started. We were up 8-2 to two early. Lots of guys contributing. It was very cool to see. And the one thing I want to say is I want to challenge people to watch, and I mean really watch Nas Reed. To me, I think he's very unfairly criticized. Now, it's been a little less this season, but last season especially, one problem I had with Nas Reed, it wasn't even his fault, and this goes back to the officiating we talked about. He was really officiated poorly. He got called for a lot of bad fouls. Like, not fouls that are bad in terms of he did a poor job and he made a mistake committing them. I'm saying, like, things that were not fouls that should have been actually good defense, and in turn, it really hurt him in many aspects. So I just challenge people to watch Nas Reed a little more closely than I think a lot of people have been because people are so down on Nas Reed. Now, I'm not saying he should be the starter. 
I'm not saying that at all. I think he's a solid backup, but he's better than I think most people give him credit for. Keep in mind, he's, you know, he's not some 25-year-old that's been in the league a long time. This is a guy that is very young, and he's still growing into the player that he's going to become. But he's a solid passer. Uh, in, in some cases, he's shown the ability to be able to drive to the hoop. He last year was a very solid three-point shooter. There's lots to like about Nas Reed. Of course he needs to get better. No one's saying he doesn't. And he's definitely not some amazing player where Towns go down, goes down and you say to yourself, oh, great, Nas Reed gets to start. Now, I'm very positive about getting to see more Nas Reed minutes, and I think that it can definitely help his development. But the big issue for Nas right now is going to be the rest of the starters need to step up. And so far, that is something we have not seen. And so when you're asking, let's say, Nasri to do more than he already needs to, I think that just makes things a little tougher. Uh, Wolves defense, very disruptive early on. But again, I have to gripe about this. And that's D'Angelo Russell getting put in no-win situations with Mitch matches. I understand we're doing switches. I understand that the scheme is a certain way. But time and time again, we have D'Angelo Russell up against guys that he has no shot. And in this game... Early on, he's in the post, basically, trying to guard Nick Batum. That's not going to work. And Nick easily scores, easily scored. And I'll say this, I credit Russell uh, for not you know, taking a stupid foul. Some guys try to do a little too much there. You have to understand the position that you're in and do what you can. Uh, but in some cases, you, know, you just kind of are... St- so that's one thing I just hope that they sort of address. Maybe watch some film and realize it's maybe happening a little more than you'd want it to. But we shall see. Uh, 16-7 to after Nas with the impressive drive and score. We talked earlier, he has shown the ability to get to the hoop. Not necessarily something you want him doing all the time, but it's nice that he has that in his back pocket. Another play, D'Lo fouled, takes a shot, and it's on the floor. And it's so strange to me. This happens every single game. And then a possession or two later, it happens to Rubio too, and it's called on the floor. Meanwhile, Time and time again, the team we're playing does the exact same thing, and they get shooting fouls. And I need someone to explain this to me, why there is a difference there. Because to me, when you watch the plays, I don't see the difference. A lot of it's the stopping short. It's, I mean, if you're getting fouled, if I'm, in the, if I'm in the shooting motion before the whistle even goes off, how is that not a shooting foul? I just, I don't know. The whole thing is so strange to me. I don't know if this has to do with the kind of that rule you talk about at times in hockey where they say, well, I meant to blow it sooner. I just didn't kind of thing. I don't know. It's, it's, the whole thing is weird to me. Something to watch for. Something I challenge the listeners to watch for when you're watching these games. J-Mac comes in as Rubio, a bit banged up, rolled his ankle. And as they talk about, now I didn't watch the replay of this, but Jim Pete and Dave Benz talked about his ankle rolled like both, both ways. Um, and uh, that was a little, uh, when you're talking about, you know, Kogi's hurt, you're talking about, Towns is hurt. You can't afford to lose any more players, right? Uh, including, how about this? You know, you've got Jalen Noel's hurt. You don't have a lot of great depth in terms of guys that are going to be able to bring the ball up. And so you lose Rubio. Granted, you've got J-Mac. That's the whole reason J-Mac's here, right? In a COVID season, you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's really, really important to have extra depth. We have that right now. But, man, if these injuries keep popping up, it's just going to get bad. Uh, it's going to go from bad to worse. And that's exactly what you don't want to see. Uh, but good news is Rubio ends up being okay in this situation. But uh, immediately as J-Mac comes in, he is part of a highlight pass and dunk to Nas Reed. Uh, those two, even going back from la- going back to last year, had some nice chemistry, which I do think is part of the issue we've seen at least early on. This team is going to struggle a bit at times with chemistry issues. Now you add in missing your best players, and it's just a recipe for disaster. 
Paul George uh, really starting to take over this game. And it's unfortunate because you were hoping, can you hold him in check? Obviously, you have Kawhi Leonard that's not playing in this game. Morris is not playing in this game. You wondered if that would help. Um, but unfortunately, in this case, uh, it did not. As he, like I said, starts to take over and helps get the Clippers within two twenty-five to 23 in the first. Davis comes in, and I'm telling you, Davis has been so frustrating. All I want, though, is for him to not be terrible. And the first time he touches the ball in offense, he takes an absolutely garbage shot. And it isn't close. He was kind of, I mean, the defense was all over him. I don't know what he was thinking. And to me, that's been the problem with Davis so far is I watch him play and I just end up shaking my head time and time again. It's very, very frustrating. And just like that, 9-0 run gives way to the Clippers that are now on top. Clippers, by the way, on fire from three at this stage. And they hit another one. They are now up 33-29 to after the first quarter. Speaking of on fire, Edwards hits his third three, and the game is not up at 39. Edwards has the ability to score just in bunches when he's really feeling it. Of course, you have the game before where you had the exact opposite, where he shot a lot. I think he shot around, what, 6 of 21? And that's not good. That's not what you need uh, from a guy that really you have expectations. But again, I'm not that worried about Edwards. He's going to get better. He's gonna, and he has these stretches like this that really make you think, "Wow, he could he could really be good." Uh, unfortunately, another game and another Layman and Wancho clunker game so far. Now we did have a different lineup. Layman did not start. Wancho did not start. We ended up uh, kind of having some shifts as Rubio and Culver moved into the starting lineup, and at least initially that worked really well. Layman and Wancho. I actually liked the idea of trying those guys together. You'd hope what. You know, what, two negatives make a positive? Maybe one of those guys is going to step up. And um, unfortunately, uh, early on in this game, you did not see that. Uh, The other odd thing, and this is weird to me, but Edwards can't miss from three, but he can't seem to hit a mid-range shot. And Russell, by the way, just the opposite, can't hit wide-open threes, but he's hitting the mid-range. How about this? Let's stop taking so many mid-range shots. Both Russell and Edwards have taken far too many uh, mid-range shots for my liking, at least uh, up until this point in the season. Granted, I do think Russell is a very solid mid-range shooter, so I'm not saying he needs to get rid of it altogether by any means. If he's open, I like that he takes that shot, but I would love both these guys not only to focus maybe a little more on three as opposed to the mid-range, but also let's get to the hoop. Let's drive to the hoop, guys. I think we need to take – there's a reason the modern NBA focuses on three-point shots and shots at the basket. Both those guys should be more than capable to get to the hoop. I'd like to see that added a little more to their game, or at least see it a little more frequently. Uh, 12-0 Clipper run as the Wolves have no defense and no offense. And I'll tell you right now, this lineup sucks. This was Lehman, Wancho, Edwards, Russell, and Davis. I don't know what they were. I mean, granted, they're trying to throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. But let's not see this lineup again. This lineup just is not, it's not it. It it just, it isn't it. And here's part of the problem. When you have no Josh Okogie, you are crippled defensively because he is such a good on-ball defender. Now, granted, Jared Culver's been very, very good this year, but Jared Culver, uh, just a very frustrating game uh, from him. And and he's only one guy, right? You need more than one guy that can defend. Ed Davis hasn't been the answer. I have not liked what I've seen from him in any facet of his game. And so that's the other part of that uh, to really keep in mind. And unfortunately, so far, no one is showing up for the Wolves. A 25-5 to run for the Clippers. Culver, we talked about him. He's 0 of 7 from the field. And honestly, this is officially a blow. Wolves are down 20 at this point, and it is ugly. Now, I will say this. This isn't Lakers game bad, but it was real close at times. 
Um, not much positivity coming out of this game. D'Lo doesn't even get a shot off to end the half. And just like that, the Wolves are down 70 to 50. 70 points. So you're talking about your opponent is on pace to get 140, 150 points. Now, granted, they're not going to reach that. Not because they couldn't, but because they're not going to play all their players. They're not going to continue to keep their foot on the gas. That's just not That's just not what teams do. So Wolves are fighting and staying with the Clippers in the third, but they just cannot get any sort of a run going. Culver now 0 of 9, but I will say this on the positive for him specifically, 8 rebounds. I'll take that. I like his aggressiveness off the glass, and we've seen that from a number of guys early in this season. Beasley's another guy that has really been fighting for rebounds. I want that. I want us to consistently win that rebound battle, and if Carl Towns isn't in the game, other players should be stepping up to grab those rebounds. That's going to be key if we're going to be successful in these two to four weeks when we're missing Carl Towns. And even after the two to four weeks, when Towns is here, you don't think he wants some help on the glass? Of course he does. And that's where these other guys need to continue to step up. Clippers, unfortunately, move up to 24 points. And honestly, at this stage, it's early in the third, and I still said to myself, this one feels over. Without Towns, there's just not enough guys that are stepping up. You need D'Lo to play better. You need Jarek Culver, who had been looking good. You need him to make some shots. How about anybody, anybody step up? And we're just not seeing it in this game. Now, Vanderbilt does end up coming in. And the one thing you say to yourself when you're watching these games is, can we get some of these young guys in? And can we get some positivity? Can they play well? Can they look like they can contribute down the line? Vanderbilt, by the way, scores on a nice drive, and maybe he can be that bright spot we're looking for. As Dave Ben says, he is making the most of his minutes. I'm going to add in passing and rebounding. I really like what I see from Vanderbilt early on, but still, not there yet. But I'll say this. I want to see more minutes from him. I want to see less minutes from Wancho and less minutes from Lehman. And I think that needs to happen sooner than later if we're going to right this ship. Granted, we're, we're 500 right now. I get that. But things are going to get ugly before they get good if we don't make some changes. Adilo now with back-to-back threes. How about this? It would have been nice to see him hit those shots when it mattered as we are still getting completely blown out. I mean, this game is over, and you're saying to yourself, you're getting open shots now, and you're making them. Sometimes D'Lo hits these shots that he has no business even shooting, you say, right? We talk about this every episode. But in this game, early on, he was wide open missing shots, and you just can't be expected to win games when that's happening. I mean, that's just bottom line. Uh, McDaniels, by the way, gets to come in. Comes in around the seven-minute mark for anyone that wants to rewatch. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I tend to watch games once, maybe twice, maybe three times, depending on the game, or maybe highlights. I really dive deep in these games because I want to bring good content to our show, but also I really want to understand the different players, their roles, uh, the things they do well, the things they haven't, and how they're growing as players. I think that's important. Also watching things like chemistry, watching the rotations, what, what works, what doesn't. Stats can only tell you so much. In many instances, you really need to watch the games to get a feel for uh, how guys are playing. McDaniels, by the way, scores immediately after he comes in, and it's easy to see why people are so high on him, why the Wolves are so high on him. Now, I, I believe some people talked about how prior to the college season, McDaniels was considered one of the one of the top prospects, like going into the college season. Now, granted, it didn't turn out that way, but he's a guy that has a very high ceiling, and if you can get him, more, if you can get something out of him now. I think that would be huge. And I'll add this. Vandy uh, continues his solid play in this game, and it may be time to consider giving him minutes over Wancho and Lehman. I think both those players have proven that they have, you know, they're at least going to be solid enough where I feel like it's worth a shot to say to yourself, right, let's just see, right? 
Can we can we get an idea of what these guys bring? Will they be able to do something that the guys that we're currently playing, Wancho and Lehman, can't do, right? And and to be honest, right now, Wancho and Lehman can do basically nothing. Now, I'm, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit, Wancho that is. In that Laker game, I definitely thought he was improved. I thought we saw some glimpses of the player we had last year. The guy that could make shots, the guy that did some nice things. But aside from that game, we just have not seen it. And what's the harm at this point? Now, again, people like to stress you don't want to play guys uh, in bad situations. You know, you don't want to rush into things with young players. But at this point, I feel like it's worth trying. No one's saying to do it for long term. We're not trying to ruin their development. Give them a shot, though. Maybe you don't even do it together. Maybe you say to yourselves, all right, we're going to give Vanderbilt a shot to start at the four. Let's see what happens, right? Let's give – let's get some consistent minutes um, from McDaniels, right? Let's just see what we can do with that. I think that's more than fair. Final score, though, in this game, Clippers do take it 124 to 101. And to me, 23 points does not do it justice. I don't think this was game was really ever that close. I mean, bottom line, that's just how I feel. Things that we want to touch on, uh, two of eight for Beasley – uh, that's not going to get the job done from three-point line. That's not going to do it. Now, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, we'll take that. We'll take that all day long. By the way, 14 of 17, generally the Wolves tend to be a very good free throw shooting team in terms of getting to the line. We did not see – we didn't see it here. Now, they won the – let's say this. They did win the free throw battle, right? They shot 17 and the Clippers shot 16. But 17 is just – to me, it seems low. So that will be something to watch going forward. But the guys, you know, there's a number of players we just need to be better. 4 of 11 from 3 for Russell, it's not going to cut it. It just isn't. Uh, you, you look at overall, Jared Culver, 0 of 10. Here's the deal. I love that you got 10 rebounds. I like that you got a block. I like that you got a steal. But 0 of 10 is not going to cut it. You need to be better. Players need to step up if we're going to have any shot of this. Uh, how about Nasri? You know, just 20 minutes, but 4 of 6 from the field. Now, granted, I personally would have wanted to see more Nas. You get later in the game, and it's understandable why they go away from him. Four of six from the field, like I said, one of one from the three-point line, two of two from the charity stripe. Uh, the issue here with Nasri, right, only three rebounds. That's not going to cut it. For a guy that I think is actually a decent passer, only one assist, it'd be nice to see something better than that. But he was one of the better players in terms of plus-minus, and we say that with a grain of salt because minus 12. But how about Russell, minus 26? You have Anthony Edwards, a minus 21, although... I. A guy that, that is that young and is just a rookie, I give him a pass. Russell needs to be better. Just in general, we need more from this team. We need guys to step up. How about Ricky Rubio, by the way? No, minus 13, but doesn't tell the story. And this is, by the way, the reason why plus minus in single game sets is a pretty worthless stat. Because I think Ricky Rubio played very well. We're talking uh, 17 points, 5 assists, surprisingly no rebounds. But if you watch this game, I really felt like Ricky was good. And he talked after the game. If you, For anyone that doesn't pay attention to uh, after-the-game quotes, there were a lot of good ones in this game. Both Rubio and Ryan were very quick to call out the team. Team made mistakes. Team did not play as good as they could have been, especially on the defensive end. And Ryan talked about how very early on in this game, the team went away from what they were supposed to do. The game plan was thrown out the door. And if... The one thing I'll say about that, and it's so frustrating to me, there's so many people that are so quick to blame Ryan Saunders. There's so many guys that say, all right, I'm going to blame Ryan Saunders. He's the guy that I'm going to blame. He's the guy that I think needs to be better. And here's the thing. What do you want Ryan Saunders to do? He still hasn't coached in a full season. He's never had a healthy team. Towns, Think about this. Towns has rarely been healthy while Ryan's been coached. That's a real thing. Now you're talking about 10 months 
without basketball. Someone someone earlier today was like, they had 10 months. They should have been better. It's not 10 months as a team. This isn't 10 months where the team got to be together. This is 10 months where they were scattered all over the place. Yes, some guys were together, but for the most part, they weren't. And so you're talking about a very limited time this team had to be together and to be um, you know, cohesive and find a way to build things. It's going to take time. Stop with the overreacting. It's four games. Four games. A good example, people were overacting to James Weissman. He had two pretty good games statistically. If you watch those games, I don't think that that first game, for example, was as good. But my point is, two games into the season, everyone's thinking, wow, maybe the Wolves made a mistake. Who Did other teams make mistakes? And now he's had two straight games where he's really come back down to earth, and we're seeing more so the player I thought we'd see, a guy that just isn't ready to take the spotlight. He is going to be a project. And the same with these Wolves. The Wolves are going to be a bit of a project. It is going to take time to mesh all these players together, especially when you take away two of the best players. So stop this nonsense where you blame the coach. It's absolutely stupid. It is absolutely stupid. And if this is you, if you're one of those people that is quick to overreact and you are one of those people that is going to you know, look to blame coaches, I just, I hope I don't see you on my timeline. I just get very frustrated by that. Let's give him a chance. That That's kind of where I'm at with that. That's that's kind of the first game we're going to touch on. Um, you know, more games to come this week that we're going to take a look at. And uh, those will come on future episodes. So uh, we'll see what happens from there. Again, you're listening to, or you've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. This is The Howl, your source for Timberwolves news and notes. And we've been looking at game number four of the regular season. Uh, much more to come this week as the Wolves do play more games. So stay tuned to The Howl. You can find us, of course, anywhere podcasts are found, whether it's Stitcher, Podient, iTunes, Spotify. We are on all those locations. And until next time, let me get a howl.